0: Let's go. let's go! Come on, everybody, and
1: let's get to pumping Cause it's real to the time. Baby, Rip City is jumpin' now. Keep okay, brindle up the middle. Hit. Oh. 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 Come on, everybody!
0: All right, everybody, welcome to the 119th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man
1: Sage chillin' in Southern Oregon, packing. Packing sucks. I'm not good at it. I get frustrated with how slow I do it. This process I don't hear sucks. None of that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you bought you bought a house, and I'm packing up a one bedroom. But it's like.
0: Well, I packed up a one-bedroom, too, and we got to the house, and we still have unpacked boxes, and we're kind of wondering, how in the hell did we get everything into that one-bedroom apartment? I mean, good <laughs> God.
1: <laughs> yeah, Doug. Uh, I don't know. It, it's a lot of logistics that, like, I know they're important. But I just want to talk about this motherfucking draft.
0: Well, we're T minus 48 hours. I mean, we're we're getting to the, the nitty-gritty right now of like it's draft draft watch is officially on.
1: Mm-hmm. Nitty gritty in the city. What does Rip City want? What is the consensus of what this fan base wants from this draft? It's so weird. Like half the people want to trade it, half wanna get this random guy or that random guy. It's like. Normally, I think there's, like, a a consensus. When I I lived in Portland, like, everyone was like, Dame, CJ. Like, this one's a little weird because there's so many options and, like, but what do you think Rip City wants? Like, the fans?
0: Well, it's a lot easier to come to a consensus when you're drafting in the lottery and you've honed in on players that you feel will be in in your range and, and you've seen them rise through the college ranks and you've seen reports of them coming in for workouts and you can kind of get a feel for what the team needs. Uh, Right now, the team needs everything. I mean, we, we just need a talent influx. I mean, we just got swept. I don't think any team's playoff stock is lower in the Western conference than the Portland trailblazers. And you add to the fact that really outside of the top 15, maybe 16 players, you've got guys that could go as high as 16, 17, or drop to the to the 40s or 50s. I mean, I've seen that much movement on, on mock drafts. And I know mock drafts aren't the end-all, be-all, but they do provide a certain amount of exposure. And, you know, they give you... They're almost like a, a, a guardrail. Like, you could expect this person to go in this range. And, you know, with Portland's pick... Every mock draft I've looked at, whether it's David Aldridge, whether it's Draft Express, Tankathon, NBADraft.net, you name it, it's literally a different name every single time. Nobody knows what this team is going to do. I believe they just brought in um, Anthony Simmons, the, the, youngs- the youngster from IMG Academy, the only person they brought in twice for a workout – I wouldn't put too much stock into that. Neil O'Shea is the type of person who really plays his cards close to his, his chest. Um, what it means to me is maybe they're looking at moving down in the draft or looking to acquire a second-round pick um, because right now you know, he's one of those guys slated. He could go 17 the teens, but he could also drop to the second round. So maybe they just want to get a good second look um, at him because he didn't play college basketball at all last year he was at uh, IMG Academy so I don't think Portland fans really know what they want I certainly don't know what I want it, it's not like it's 2011 all over again and I'm championing for you know Kenneth Reed and then I'm just infuriated when we select Nolan Smith you know it's not like in 2012 when it's like oh could we maybe get Dame and Drummond like how do we make that work or even 2013 when you know we were both zeroed in on CJ McCollum. Like, we wanted that dude so hard. Um, this year, I, it, it's just one of those years where there's a couple of players I like. There's a lot of players I like, actually. But I don't know if I could speak for every single fan. But I think people want to see Portland make a splash. I think that the reasonable Trailblazer fan knows we're a ways away from contending. And I'm not talking about just winning a championship. I'm talking about just getting to the conference finals. Um, I'm not one of those fans. And I used to be that was like, okay, championship or bust. I'm, I've am i lowered my expectations a bit and realized it's, it's difficult to host hoist that Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the season. I feel like if you're a team that's contending for your conference finals, that is a, a, a perfectly – elite level to to be at even if you don't get there you know i've had some of my most favorite memories for a uh, blazer teams that didn't make it to the finals but they got to the western conference finals either be at that level or you need to be really bad so you have a chance to draft a luka Doncic or a deandre ayton um a muhammad bomba like you're you're in that that level of the draft that tier one where you can get a difference maker and hopefully you get into a situation like the 76ers where you can do it a couple years row, and you hit on those picks Um, You look at the Oklahoma City Thunder hitting on, you know, KD, they hit on Russ, they hit on Harden, Um, they hit on Ibaka. Yes, they didn't win a championship, but they made it to the conference finals. They they made it to the NBA finals in in 2012. And had it not been for really shoddy ownership, they'd still probably be competing for championships if, if they kept James Harden. So, you know, to me it's it's fine for a couple of years if you're making the first round. you know we made it to the second round a couple of times, but it sure feels like we've really tapped out and we need an influx of talent in, in the worst way. and obviously Portland's only avenue to do that is the NBA draft and they have two trade exceptions. So personally, what I would like to do is I would like to see, Portland use that trade exception at the draft before free agency. So you look at a team like Denver, who has Will Barton as a free agent. They they need to pay Joker the, the max contract. There's reports they're offering that 14 pick and Kenneth Reed for nothing. They just want you to take his salary. And it's not like his contract is a, a tr- an atrocity. It expires at the end of next season. Plus, he is a very viable power forward. I know we all love Ed Davis, but it would allow Portland to maybe move on from Ed. Uh, Ken could could play those backup minutes and to me that makes too much sense obviously I, I don't I, I'm not in the room between you know Denver's GM and, and Neil Olshay or even if that call has been made but you just hear so much movement early this early in the draft Memphis is offering that number four pick if you want to take back Parsons. I've always been of the mind that we are not getting rid of Myers-Honored and Evan Turner. I know you can wish it until you're blue in the face, but the easiest way for Portland to do that without hurting themselves long term is just to eat those deals. And that's really what they're going to have to do for two more years. My thoughts are why not – you're already eating those deals. You're already going to go into the luxury tax regardless if you make any moves at all because you know you're going to have to bring back some of your own guys. So you're already going to hit that luxury tax threshold, and you're going to be a repeat offender. Why not at least get a tier one guy if you're able to? I mean, to me, there's just so many opportunities. Cleveland's looking to get better right now with the hopes of luring LeBron. Um, there's, there's also there's a reason these teams are up that high in the draft. You look at Sacramento, you look at Memphis, you look at Orlando. They're stupid. I mean, they 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 fuck up over and over again take advantage of them just like we took advantage of billy king and offered them you know a rundown Gerald wallace for the for the number six pick that turned out to be damian lillard so before people kind of get up in arms like oh i I don't want to wait for this guy to play i I can't wait right now i need to win now I, i don't want to be you know patient portland's success has always been based upon the draft all of our great teams have came through the draft. You look at you know Bill Walton of the 77 championship team. That team was intact, and they were able to acquire Maurice Lucas. Same thing with the early 90s Blazers. Drexler, Porter, Kersey, Cliff, all through the draft. They traded Duckworth uh, midway through his rookie year. Um, they acquired Buck Williams. So they, they did the mm. bulk of the work. It's a bonus. Petrovic. I mean, the list goes on and on. Portland has never been a free agent market. We know that. We're not going to have hardly anything to play with. This is really Portland's time to say, we're not going, we're going to make a decision with our franchise. We're either going to take a, take a step back and, you know, kind of do, do the rebuild because I, Neil O'Shea continues to harp on that, that rebuilding phase once Lamarcus left. He's like, ooh, we're in year three of our rebuild. Bitch, shut up.
1: <laughs> he hasn't done shit.
0: He has not done anything and he keeps spitting the same rhetoric. This is not a rebuild. Like, a rebuild is, you know, completely going for broke. Um, But but we're not also going all in trying to win. We're in this kind of, you know...
1: There ain't no halfway crooks. Let's choose a side.
0: We're just sitting on the fence, and I want to see Portland make make a splash because there is a lot of talent in this draft. And, you know, the more I I look at it, I don't know if I love it as much as the 2017 draft, but it sure as hell is growing on me.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's crazy how your expectations have gone down in the 3 years we've done this podcast cuz I remember our first year I asked, would you take the Atlanta, you know, mid 2000s success and you said no. And now you've lowered that expectations. Would you take, you know, the 2000s Atlanta success with the Horfords, the, you know, going to the semis, maybe going to the fi- finals. Oh, okay.
0: No, I I, I see. I, I I still found them as a treadmill team because nobody really took them serious, and I, I liken that to Portland being the third seed this year. Yeah, technically we were the third seed, but nobody took us seriously. It was nobody,
1: one game apart from everybody else.
0: So. Nobody in the Western Conference was taken seriously other than this the the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. It was a two team race. So yeah, it it was you know window dressing that we were division champs and, and got the third seed but at the end of the day going into a second round matchup against the golden state warriors nobody in their right mind was going to pick portland to, to, to upset golden state i mean that's just how you know golden state could be down two guys and they'd still be favored to beat us i mean that's not a knock on, on our squad that's just how incredibly talented golden state is and how far away we really are from, from competing so that's when I look at the Blazers, you know, and I sense, obviously there's a ton of different schools of thought and, you know, you can be happy with just making the playoffs every year, but I'm starting to sense more and more of just feeling, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you just can't This word is escaping my mind, Rip City.
1: (laughs) Hey, it has been a month since we've done a podcast, bro. Helpless.
0: You feel helpless because you you know our cap situation. You know Dame can only take us so far. And the Warriors and Rockets and wherever LeBron goes, and now you see the Celtics and 76ers. And it, it looks like a tough road ahead. Like if you if you're looking five ten years out you're like where are the trailblazers what, what really are we doing what impact are we having on on the league and um I know a lot of fans wouldn't change positions with a team like the Phoenix Suns but they've got
1: they got Booker and the first pick overall T J Warren Josh Jackson put up numbers with you know extended times they have those bumps bigs but if you get eight and that really doesn't mean anything you could just not re sign eh.
0: I mean it's you even look at a team like the Utah Jazz they lost Gordon Hayward and I still think they're in a better position they are yeah, because Donovan. of the draft and, and I can't stress that enough. And I know people are going to say, "Oh, there's not a Donovan Mitchell in this draft." I mean, nobody could have foreseen that. Well, well, they did. Just like the Bucks did with Giannis, just like with Utah did with Gobert. I, I believe he was picked 27th. They traded Denver again uh, to get Denver the, has
1: been the to stifle get taken tower. advantage of,
0: bro. Oh, a- absolutely, <laughs> and that's why I want Portland to to take advantage of them this time around.
1: So, would you but, trade the the exception for Ken Fried and the first round pick for our troubles?
0: Absolutely. I, I mean, we're talking about a lottery pick here. We're talking about being able to take a guy, Miles like Bridges, Miles Bridges, maybe uh, SGA, the six-six point guard from Lonnie from Walker. Kentucky, Lonnie Walker, maybe Kevin Knox drops your way, or you're able to take 14 and 24 and maybe move up a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Maybe a, a Macal Bridges or a Muhammad Bomba starts to slip.
1: That Bomba um, line, man. I, if we got that 14th pick, I'd be waiting and waiting until that Bomba line comes. That I would I would make that trade for Bomba because we we need that we need talent and as much as I love some of the picks at twenty four and fourteen top five is where you get the most of the talent of course there's going to be people that drop every year there's one guy that drops are you going to trust us to find that guy
0: it's tough but you know I think you have to give your yourself a, a puncher's chance I think obviously I was just, we were both very disappointed with the draft last year. And I I think,
1: God damn. Yeah.
0: I think after year one, we have, we have reason to to say, yeah, you know, that was a, not the best draft that we could have had given three picks in a loaded, a a loaded draft. Mm -hmm. So if, if I'm a blazer fan and you're watching the draft on Thursday, I think, bare minimum, we should just leave with the 24 pick. Like, we need to add a young,
1: hungry guy,
0: hungry, talented player with potential, and most importantly, on a cost effective, team friendly deal.
1: Mm-hmm. For we eight must years. Do that.
0: I think you could also be pretty stoked if Portland moves up into the second round and buys a pick. I mean, we were yelling and screaming at the top of big pink saying go up and get jordan bell what does he do oh he's only starting in the nba finals i mean he's only you know making plays learning from the best one of the best defensive bigs in the game and Draymond green so there is a lot of talent again in the second round there's going to be a lot of players that are going to drop and you can find specialists one of the reasons i love the second round so much is you don't look for necessarily the best player you look hey can this dude block shots can he play perimeter defense? Oh, we need both of those things. Like, let's go out and get this player. Like, you don't necessarily need him to be a a five tool player like a, a Brandon Roy was. You just need him to be maybe a one. you know a one. You know, Bruce Bowen made a living being a one one skill guy. You know, be three and D. Obviously, mm, that's two, two. So sorry about <laughs> that. But, but you get my one
1: elite my, my NBA skill
0: you know, you get my sentiment Yeah, and there are guys out there that can do it. And one of the reasons you're starting to see, I think more second round talent stick around in the league longer is because they are a specialist and you get teams sometimes probably trying to swing for the fences at 24, 25, you know, Oh, this guy could be the next Tracy McGrady, you know, do it, everything player. Um, When instead sometimes you're like, Oh, You know Kyrie Thomas, two-time Big East Defensive Player of the Year, amazing wingspan, can hit the three. He could probably come in and play right away and still have some potential to help out your lineup. Um, Instead of maybe going after an Anthony Simmons who has the potential to be maybe a Tracy McGrady, but he could be out of the league in two years also. So you definitely have to figure out what this team needs, and that's why I keep coming back to the direction. What is the direction of the Portland Trailblazers? Are you in a position where you can go high risk, high reward, or do you want to play a little more safe? You know, are we trying to add people right now to 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 win with Dame? You know, I know Neil O'Shea talked at the exit interviews about adding veteran talent that can play in the playoffs. To me, that was the the, the most that made no sense to me. Like you're, so you're telling me that just because you know, you know, I'll, I'll use shit. I'm trying to think of a. So you're telling me that Anthony Davis, when the when the Pelicans didn't make the playoffs, that, that he's not a guy we want to go for because he, he wasn't, you know, getting buckets when I counted. Like, are, are we really just discounting players who didn't make the playoffs? Like, making the playoffs, you know, as good as uh, Robert Ory was and so vital for, you know, Houston and San Antonio and the Lakers, they won those series because of Tim Duncan, Shaquille O'Neal, and Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah, like—, like we,
1: Your best three players generate most of your wins. But you know what happens in the playoffs? You get your consistency, but then the role players step up and take you over the edge. I I think GMs, in regards to the draft, always go for that young, sexy guy. When there's like a four-year senior that has skills, but you'd think they're maxed out. Think of Malcolm Brogdon. He, ha- he fit all of those factors and became good. Like, it happens every year where someone has all of those factors four year senior, isn't especially good at anything, but really well-rounded. Those guys normally make it. But GMs think, you know, if I hit this home run, I'm saving my job. I don't really care about this four-year senior that may be better now. But might not be better in the future because this young guy has all of these skills that are so sexy.
0: I mean, it's crazy to me to think that a guy like Miles Bridges is dropping in drafts compared to this time last year had he entered just because he's a sophomore. I mean, we're just talking one.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, what's one year? They're going to suck the rookie year anyway. He already has his man body. Like, he's ready to bang in the post or, like, guard two through four right now. Probably two through five because of how muscular and strong he is. Like, I get it. Those rookies, those uh, that those freshmen are sexy. You can get those, you know, what-if players. But Bridges is a good player, and he could probably contribute day one.
0: So I've told you what I wanted to see happen. What do you want to see happen?
1: I think bare minimum, we have to draft a player like Kyrie if he's there or one of those guys that can help us. I mean, actually, I, what I want is us to draft best player available because it, whoever's there at 24, but preferably that best player available has some defensive skills that can help us in the perimeter. Because I, I, I'm a big fan of best player available because... This guy's going to be on our team for eight years if he's any good. There's no one on contract that's going to be here in eight years. So if that best player available is there, we take him. And then if we make that trade using that exception to get, you know, a first-round pick or whatever, that's just the cherry on top. But I don't really want us to trade it for, like, something minimal. I want us to actually use that first-round pick. Another big news have you noticed us signing, like, all of these old watch scores to camp invite contracts? Roddy Stuckey. And my boy, Marcus Bucket Thornton. I... I... Do you know what they're doing? Like, my only guess is they want guys that can light it up that are cheap. But I don't want Marcus Thornton at 31, or however old he is. 23 Marcus Thornton was good, but old... An old dude with the confidence in the world—you could find that anywhere.
0: Yeah, it's kind of strange. Like I don't even think I would bring them in for summer league because you you want to take a chance on guys who maybe went undrafted. You know, Wesley Matthews went undrafted and had is having a, you know a long prolific career in in the league. So I would rather take a chance on uh, an undrafted player, a guy from the G League, you know, who, who's young. Um, yeah,
1: like because... Ty- Tyrone Wallace started for the Clippers most of the year from the G League. I'd rather take a chance on a guy like that than Marcus Thornton, who's old and has been in the league in a while, and we know what he is.
0: And, you know, veterans really don't exist in Summer League. Um, Most of the time, players are going to be there just to get theirs. And, and, you know, we've seen that. And, you know, I can only assume that the amount of selfishness increases as you get older in age because you realize that this is really your last fucking shot at making a roster. Roddy so.
1: stuff he isn't trying to make Zach Collins better. You know oh, that no. shit. You know that shit. <laughs> He's trying to get some flashy numbers. Hopefully somebody takes a chance on him for this year of work. But, you know, it's like... Does Neil O'Shea notice that we need some firepower as the the six-man scorer off the bench? Is that what he's trying to address? Finding, like, that diamond in the rough old dude?
0: I mean, I don't know. I can't remember the last time a guy had his career resurrected in in the NBA. Like, it...
1: Andre Karolinko? When he was on the Minnesota team? Like, that was the one... I'm pulling at strings here, guys.
0: Yeah, it's.
1: So at pick twenty four, Neil O'Shea gets a stomach ache, and they call you Dustin Hawes, the greatest Blazers podcaster ever. <laughs> pick anywhere from like twenty to forty. Who are we? Who are, who are the Blazers picking?
0: I'm I'm gonna go with Kyrie Thomas. Uh, I'm tired of not having perimeter defenders. Um, we get abused a lot of times on the perimeter. We do not know how to defend a pick and roll. We just struggle so much to play that, that grit and grind defense when it matters most. I know this team goes through stretches where they play, you know, solid defense, but it's really Yusuf Nurkic that makes, makes us look halfway competent. Mm -hmm. You know, we see how bad this team is when, when he goes out, especially in in, in the playoffs. And I don't want to hear any of that bullshit that, Oh, he couldn't guard Miritich. Let maritich let him shoot the threes. Our defense and rebounding and interior um, just overall ability went to shit. Think of how well he would be if he actually had defenders on the perimeter to –
1: Slow down mean, that penetration. We saw,
0: we saw what the New Orleans Pelicans were able to do with great perimeter defenders in Rachel Rondo and Drew Holiday. Kyrie Thomas is compared to Drew Holiday. Not only that, he can shoot the three as well. So I really like this kid. I would, I would do whatever it takes within reason to get him. I think he's going to be, I've just got good vibes about him. You know, I had really good vibes about Kenneth Reed. I mean, that, that was my guy back in the day. Like I usually hone in on someone. I believe in 2015, it was Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You know, he's starting to come into his own a little bit as well. You and me both. So, you know, I love defense. You know, I, I, I miss it. Um, I, I think Terry Stotts is a little bit too offensive gung-ho and, and really relies on that that three. And um, it reminds me of the Oregon Ducks football team when Chip Kelly was running the show. We would recruit an athlete, and they could go to either the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball. And 10 times out of 10, they would put him on the offensive side of the ball and try to outscore teams. And our defense kind of got thrashed a bit or wasn't as good as it could have been. Um, that's kind of how I view Portland is we need some guys who, who put defense first and are also able to contribute offensively. Um, I just think we need to have more of that culture, that, that dog mentality. And it's, you know, it kind of lost a little bit of its luster once, once Wes left. I, you know, I felt like we were actually a pretty decent defensive team, mm-hmm. um, in the mid part of this decade, obviously injuries and, you know, free agency kind of derailed that. But, you know, if you, if you loved Wesley Matthews and you loved, Drew Holiday's game, you know, you have to give him credit for what he did Um, I don't think New Orleans could have ran that scheme without he or Anthony Davis, and you know obviously Nurk's not Anthony Davis, but he is a good defensive anchor, and if you can bring in Thomas to you know, let's say Chris Paul's running that pick and roll to death, you know, bring Thomas in Um, we saw just how geeked Rip City got when Wade Baldwin played like a quarter and a half of great defense on James Harden
1: (laughs) yep, yeah
0: I mean, you're, now you're looking at, okay, we can play Wade Baldwin and Thomas together. Baldwin can, can play make. Thomas can, can shoot the three. Both of them are going to lock you up defensively. You know, what's the, what's the one thing that you always worry about when you take Damon CJ out? Oh, God, the game's going to get out of hand. We're not going to be able to, to come back. You're never, ever going to be able to replicate their offensive capabilities. But what can you do? you can provide better defense because they have to focus on offense by, by the team's structure and and by the the nature of, of the trailblazers. So if you're able to play better defense, you can still maintain and sometimes even, you know, exceed the lead and push, push the lead while your stars are on the bench, getting, you know, much deserved rest. And, for whatever reason, I don't know why the Blazers aren't putting more of an onus on defense. And that's what I want to see in, in this offseason is let's get some guys in here who are going to make a difference. And um, you know, credit to Olshay for finding Wade Baldwin. He does do a good job of kind of finding those castaways. And who knows if Papagiannis ever amounts to anything. But it's it's still nice that, hey, he was a lottery pick and we're going to give him a shot. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, here's, here's the role I see for a Kyrie or a Bruce Brown or an Aaron Holiday is they're the guard that when we, you know, split up the time and it's, CJ, it's CJ's turn to be the ball dominant player, you have a guy like Kyrie Thomas to take the point of attack on defense so uh, so CJ or Dame can get theirs offensively and not have to guard the best guy on the opposing team. Like, I think Kyrie Thomas would be excellent defending most point guards. And not all point guards, because not, you know, like, not many people can stop Harden. But I have faith that Kyrie Thomas could stop Jeff Teague or whatever. Like, I think there's a role for that type of player. And if we use the 24th pick to get a guy that can fill in that role of second team defense so the star can be the star. I think that is a pretty damn good draft. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Or are we going to have the shortest holy backboard ever?
0: I think it's uh, time to wrap this bad boy up. You know, it's pre-draft.
1: I mean, we're going to be back Friday or Thursday night. So we're getting, yeah. like you're gonna get two only backboards this week. There's not much we could talk about because the Blazers aren't involved in much news. It's just what we're thinking. So who are the got the three guys you'd be uh psyched if we drafted? Do you have your trading list? Trading up
0: or trading up or staying at staying at staying at
1: twenty
0: p- four. <sighs> sorry, I'm like staying at twenty four, that sounds so basic.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I'm I'm drinking Starbucks and I have lugs or whatever shoes <laughs> they're wearing. <laughs> Alright, I'm out of date. Okay.
0: Jesus, Sage, you are okay. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> hey. I would say, obviously, Kyrie Thomas, the six four guard uh, out out of Creighton, is tops on my list. Um, I also really think Aaron Holiday, I love who is movement. Drew Holiday's I brother,
1: that like when you mentioned Drew, I think it's Aaron Holiday best chance. Obviously, they have to the share damn near the, they share the same DNA. But like when I watch UCLA and I watch the movement of Aaron Holiday. It's Drew. It it is absolutely Drew, and like the 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 what people are saying is he's a mix of Drew and Justin Holiday. I would not mind to have it, having that at twenty four, and he's a dog.
0: You know, and and I think yes, we have Dame, but you he can't know, play all
1: forty eight eighty two games.
0: Aaron Holiday allows Portland to maybe gauge the market on a Shabazz Napier. Mm-hmm. Um, Wade Baldwin's big enough to be able to play the two, so you're not necessarily—I think bottom line, Portland doesn't have enough talent right now where you're drafting for need. I I think you have to go best player available, and, you you know, yeah, you really make it work. Um, Last player—I mean, it's really those two who have kind of honed in on. I I uh, think—I don't know how to pronounce his first name—Dajan Musa. Uh, the 6'9", small forward out of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, I think he would be a nice. I, I'm all about the forward guys. I, I just feel like they get tested a lot growing up, so they come into the league, they they know how to play. Um, really would like to see him, you know, shooting that shooting that three. He would be on my list as well. So, but it, it's really for me, Kyrie or Bust. I mean, to, to be perfectly honest. And if if we move up a little bit, I, I really love Miles Bridges. Um, from Michigan State. I think he'd be a perfect small forward for us. Uh, And if we jumped way up into the lottery, obviously you guys all know my guy is Muhammad Bamba, although I would be pretty stoked if we ended up with Jaron Jackson Jr. The more I thought about it, I've seen him play at the PK-80. He reminds me a lot of Jermaine O'Neal. So, you know, if you remember Portland's version of Jermaine and Indiana's version of Jermaine, uh, the dude was a Beast. And if you're willing to just be patient, imagine one of those guys playing alongside Zach Collins. Portland now can still win games with Dame, but now you're looking at the future uh, of Portland's front line and you keep adding these pieces. Portland could be in position to compete down the road. Like, I don't want to throw all our eggs into a second rounder bust basket right now. And, you know, I think that would be the one thing that would frustrate me is if Portland kind of does nothing and you know thinks they're going to, you know, quote unquote, grow from within because you know we've heard that rhetoric before. Portland, you know, I think this is the most important off season. Probably, it's it's hard to it's probably one of the most important off seasons I can remember of this millennium. Um, obviously, you have the the offseason after you know Greg and Brandon both both went down. And then you have the offseason after LaMarcus uh, leaves the team. And then you have the offseason um, in 2016, which, which went very poorly for Portland. But I think this offseason more than most is going to define the Trailblazers. Right now, you have a team that is really kind of getting shitted on by – by fans across the league, you go to different, you know, general, general forums, no one is high on the trailblazers after that postseason showing, you know, Damian Lillard was laughed at and mocked for making first team all NBA after the, the first round performance, you know, obviously, New Orleans threw together a complex scheme, really aided by two first team, all NBA defenders. But that's not the, the narrative that the, the fan, the the general NBA fan is going to see. And now you have Dame being brought up in trade rumors. I, I know there's nothing, no merit to them, but you know, this is how the shit starts. Um, and if Portland goes another season and they have another poor performance in, in the playoffs where it's really Dame against the world and nobody's really helping them out. Uh, I think you're going to start to see Dame changes tune a bit. And I, I, I don't necessarily blame him and I, I, I would want the best for him. But, you know, if Portland kind of stays in, in this muddle of mediocrity, they're really, they're playing with fire because they, they, they're going to, they could come to a point where dames like, I, 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 I'm in my prime. I love this city. This town embraced me, but I don't feel like we're going to win.
1: Yeah. I don't, I can't do this shit again. Um, my three guys, Uh, Kyrie's probably number one, but I love Bruce Brown. Who's, you know, has the same sort of defensive stuff, a pretty great athlete, great rebounder people shit on his shooting, but he's a pretty decent catch and shoot guy. Um, I love Aaron holiday. Uh, Melvin Frazier, I think is
0: a a good second round pickup.
1: I thought, you know, if Neil thinks that Melvin is his guy, pick him at 24. But, uh, yeah, uh, we will be back Thursday or Friday, I don't know, uh, after the draft to talk about our pick.
0: Hopefully it's a better podcast than last year's. We were pretty fired up after last last year's draft. Alright, before we head out for the evening, we do have a fan question from Brandon Goldner at Goldner PDX, co-host of the Trailcasters podcast with Rip City Keith. Brandon wants to know, do the Blazers have all three of Dame, CJ, and Nurk to start next season?
1: I don't see how... I mean, of course it's possible... I think this goes by. What do you, What do you think Neil's philosophy with dealing with Nurk's contract is going to be?
0: I mean, do you did you hear the rumor? What? Um, I think Nurk was out of Bosnian camp, or his his coach was. Maybe his national team coach was there when he was being interviewed because Nurk's not playing for the Bosnian national team this summer because of contract negotiations. And apparently the Bosnian coach was like, yeah, Portland's just, you know, they've already talked to him. They're basically going to match whatever or they have something in place. Um, I'm paraphrasing heavily (laughs) right now. But honestly, I I think the chances of them having all three to start next season, I would say 90, 95 percent. Yeah. There's one, there's no way they're trading Lillard. Two, Neil O'Shea loves CJ McCollum. That is his guy. He made that draft pick. It's, it's going to take a lot for him to kind of pull pull the trigger on any CJ deal. And three, Nurk, if signed to a good contract, is a valuable asset. And I just I, I don't see, you know, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, we can't re-sign Nurk, But how does that make us a better team? I mean, we. I think we get significantly worse if we don't have Yusuf Nurkic.
1: The thing that you said that is... that makes me happy, to be honest, is they will match an offer. I think Neil Oshea bids against himself a lot. Like, I would love to see what Evan Turner's second-best offer was. He likes to <laughs> overbid on his guys. So if we let the market dictate his price... I don't think teams are going to risk doing the ha-ha-ha, you-have-to-pay-the-max shit on us, because what if we just say, okay, you are pay- You want the max for use of Nurkic, you can take them. So I don't think there's going to be that ha-ha-ha bullshit that we pulled for Paul Millsap and Enos Cantor and a bunch of other people. Yeah. So if we let the market dictate what it is, he signs that, we match it, I'm totally happy. But what I don't want is at 12.01 of day one of free agency, we give him one of those superstar offers. I want the market to dictate what his salary is. And if it if we do that, I think it, we're going to have those three be our starting point guard, shooting guard, and center game one of this upcoming season.
0: You know, I think that'll do it for us, Rip City. As Sage mentioned, we'll be back on Thursday or Friday immediately after the draft to give our knee jerk reactions on the newest member of the Trailblazers what moves we liked, what moves we didn't like, and just overall our draft thoughts. Um, Until then, you know where to find us Um, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Holy Backboard. Uh, Give us a five star review if you would, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Send us a comment. Uh, we also are doing TBTs throughout the summer. If there's another game you'd like us to talk about, hit us up. Let us know. We're also really active on you know Twitter at Holy Backboard, uh, IG, and Facebook as well. Uh, Sage, any last words?
1: Be on the lookout, Portland, I'll be uh, I'll be up there pretty damn soon. So uh, your, your boy's about to be a boss boy. He's got a bunch of meetings scheduled for June 27th to 28th. So. And I'm 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 going to be a very active boy this summer.
0: You know, I think there's no better way to end the podcast. All right, Rip City, we'll talk to you soon.
1: You may be this is Bill Shineley. Good night everybody.
0: Let's go.